Hey, this is Brett from Engage Church. Thank you for listening. This is an incredible message as we continue our Get a Grip series called One Thing with Jeremy Wolfram. Let's get it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14 says this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Everyone say one thing. Oh my goodness. They're like fans at an Oilers game, all out of sync and don't know what's going on. I'm not praying for the Oilers anymore. Last two times I did it, they've lost for like two weeks straight. Everyone say one thing. One thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. I love this about Paul. Paul says one thing, and then he lists like four or five. That's just what preachers do. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk about one thing this morning, and you're going to be like, I wrote down like six, but... uh, one thing, I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for which Christ Jesus is calling us. In the voice translation, it says this, I'm not there yet, nor have I become perfect, but I'm charging on to gain anything and everything the anointed one Jesus has in store for me. And nothing will stand in my way because he has grabbed me and won't let me go. Brothers and sisters, as I said, I know I've not arrived, but there's one thing. Everyone say one thing. I'm doing, I'm leaving the old life behind, putting everything on the line for this mission. I'm sprinting towards the only goal that counts, to cross the line, to win the prize, and hear God's call to resurrection life found exclusively in Jesus, the anointed one. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again that when we come to church and we gather as your people, uh, you've been speaking this morning, you're continuing to speak, and I just pray by your word, God, let it be alive, let it be active, let it be something that changes us from the inside of our lives outward, that we could affect change for the name of Jesus in our communities. In Jesus' name, everybody said again, amen, amen. I have a daughter that started junior high this year, and after being a youth pastor for 14 years, when your little girl becomes uh, someone who goes to youth, uh, I pretty much don't want to deal with it anymore. I just want to light myself on fire, because now I'm dealing with my own kids, not other people's kids. And, you know, though you've walked so many families through challenges of the teenage years, uh, when it's your own daughter and she just looks at you and rolls your eyes, her eyes at you, like, it's totally different. But I remember when she was still super lovey-dovey and innocent, and she's still this way, and she told me, my wife told me, if you tell stories about our kids, you're going to have to start paying them. And I'm like, why'd you open your mouth and say that? Like, I'm going to go broke. And uh, my daughter said to me, she said, Dad, if you use that story, you don't, you don't have to pay me. And I'm like, that's why you're my favorite, right? And the boys are like, whatever, I want money. Um, But when she was about five or six years old and she lost her first tooth, she was so excited, so ready for the tooth fairy to come because yes, even as pastors, my wife and I lie to our children. And uh, she's so ready for the tooth fairy to come and she's got, uh, I'm kind of OCD, so I'm like, don't just 
shove that under your pillow, put it in a plastic baggie because I don't want to actually touch it when I pull it out from under the pillow. And uh, she's got this ready and puts her tooth there. And uh, it was a Friday night and we used to do so many crazy things with you. So we had the youth over that night. We had leaders over. People leave at like one in the morning. And Saturday morning, my wife and I wake up in bed and our little girl screaming, the tooth fairy came, the tooth fairy came. And I looked at my wife and she looked at me and she's like, nope, wasn't me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we're like looking at each other thinking, are we the most horrible parents ever? Because now our five and a half year old daughter is like waiting and she's been waiting and she's excited for the tooth fairy. And we're like, I hope she found something. And she comes running up to our bedroom. She's like, look, the tooth fairy came. And she puts her hand out and she's holding a dime. And we're like, wow, isn't that amazing? And at five years old, you get away with a dime. Now it's like, I want five bucks, right? And, and she's so excited. And my wife and her are like, okay, we're horrible parents. But thankfully, she found something. And I'm like, how did she realize that the tooth's not gone? Like, whatever. And we go down to her room. And just to see what happened, and she was so determined that she was going to find what the tooth fairy left her. Her blankets are off her bed. The pillows are across the room. The mattress is flipped off of her bed. And she has one of those beds that has drawers underneath. Drawers are pulled out. And miraculously, by the grace of God to save our relationship with our daughter, somewhere along the lines, a dime had fallen in between those slats and underneath her mattress. And we're like, wow, did you have to look hard for it? She goes, yeah. The tooth fairy sure made it difficult. And we're like, oh my gosh. But she was so determined. She was going to find what was there. And I think when we look at our scripture in what Paul is saying, he's saying, church, listen to me. No matter what you do in life and no matter where you go, there's this one thing that you need to be determined about. One thing that we can look at, and we're looking at the scripture and saying, well, it's actually three or four, Paul. You're saying that you're going you're gonna to forget the past. You're going to look forward. You're going to press on. You're going to keep moving. And Paul's like, yeah, yeah, but all of those things really become my one determination in life. And I really think what Paul's saying is, if we are going to keep moving forward with Jesus in our lives, we have to be determined for this one thing. That no matter what, I'm following Jesus. No matter what looks like, whether it's pressing on, whether it's forgetting the past, whether it's moving forward in this area, running the race, Paul's saying, I am determined to follow Jesus. I'm pressing on. And if we have this one goal, this one thing, I think we come to a realization that Paul's saying, no matter what was, no matter what is right now, and no matter what's going to happen tomorrow, I'm determined to follow Jesus. And when we talk about getting a grip on our future, laying a hold of our future in Jesus, I think it's only appropriate that we come back to this place where we say, God, no matter what was, no matter what is right now, and no matter what tomorrow brings, I'm going to put a determination in my heart to keep following you. And all of us as believers at a certain point in our lives, you know, we do the, we've done the church thing, and maybe you're new to church, and maybe you don't understand uh, what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk through this life with you. He came to save you, and he came to save me. 
and we've put up our hands for prayer times, and we've said, yeah, I, I want to invite Jesus to my heart, and I want to follow Jesus, and that's great in an environment like this, but it becomes a determination that when you go to work and things aren't going well, when your family relationships are struggling, it's a determination to say, no matter what's going on right now, I'm still following Jesus. When my finances don't line up to what I need, I'm going to make a determination in my heart that I'm still following Jesus. And we come to these points in life where we have to make this determination. And there was another guy in scripture named Peter. And Peter, I believe, made this determination that he was going to follow Jesus because Peter was a fisherman and Jesus shows up walking along the shore one day as a teacher, as a rabbi. And he says, hey guys, put down your nets and follow me. Basically, give up your livelihood, lay down your nets, lay down your future with your father in the family business and come and follow me and I'm going to teach you something different and we're going to go a different direction. And Peter makes this decision along with 11 other guys and they come to a point in following Jesus where they've decided to follow Jesus. But I really believe that when we hit the scripture in uh, John chapter 6, they really had to determine Jesus no matter what was or what is right now or what you lead us into, I'm still going to follow you. In John chapter 6, you can read the whole chapter if you want the full context, uh, but Jesus is teaching the crowds and he's teaching people and he says to the disciples and he says to all these people, says, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now, he didn't say, guys, this is a metaphor, by the way. Like this, Jesus teaching, and I'm like, if I was his PR specialist, I'd be like, Jesus, I'm taking away your Twitter account. Jesus, I'm not going to let you say these things and put them out there for everyone to see. Like, have this conversation with us in the boardroom, but like, don't put it out there for everyone. And Jesus, just no, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life with you. And Peter's standing there, and then it goes on to say this in, chapter, uh, in verse 60. It says, uh, I just got to read it off the screen. In verse 60, it says, Many of his disciples said, This is hard to un understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, as he says, Does this offend you? Like, Jesus, come on. I love Jesus. I love the way he interacted with the disciples. I love the way that he was like, look, you made a decision to follow me, and now I'm saying something that you don't quite understand, like eat my flesh and drink my blood. Most of us would go, whoa. And he's like, they start complaining. And I'm like, what do we do with this? And he's like, does this offend you? Well, yeah, Jesus, it offends me. Like, Jesus, this offends everybody. Like, this is so different than what we've ever been taught. This is cannibalism. This is like cultish Jesus. Like, we don't really get it. And it says that a bunch of people, it says at this point, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. So Jesus turns to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? And so Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom should we go because you have the words that have eternal life. And Peter says, Jesus, I don't understand this right now. I don't really get what you're getting at, but I am determined because of what I have experienced in you and the life of God in you, that no matter what is right now and I don't understand, I'm gonna keep following you. 
And every single one of us will face moments like this in our faith and in our life. And it might not be in a direct conversation with Jesus, but there may come a day where Jesus asks you to do something or walk a certain way and you're going to start questioning and, and the, you're going to feel like Jesus saying, like, does it offend you that I'm calling you to follow me this way? Does it, does it hurt to really lay down your life like you said you would? And we have to make the decision in our heart and say, okay, Jesus... You know, I really want the days before where you fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes. I want the healings. I want all of those things. But, you know, this, like, this is hard. And Jesus says, well, do you, do you too want to leave or are you going to follow me? And, and, and we got to come to this place like Peter where we understand that, well, in Jesus, there's this word, this life that we have that we can't find anywhere else. See, my question is this, what happens that even after we determine that following Jesus is what we want to do, that we want to get a grip on our faith and we are determined to follow Jesus, what happens when it gets difficult? Are we still determined to do this one thing, which is following Jesus? I talked a couple weeks ago about grace gripping us. We didn't get a hold of Jesus first, but grace gripped us first, and he's not letting go. But we still have to walk in step with what Jesus is doing and where he's leading us and how he's calling us. And, and we, those are nice things to hear, and they help us through difficult times, and they're true. But <clears throat> when we look at that and we understand the grace of God, it's still, it still doesn't make everyday following Jesus easy. And I, and I, for years, I preached to young people. And I would stand and I would tell them, guys, I wish I could tell you that if you follow Jesus, your parents will never get divorced. No one in your family will ever get sick or have a cancer or pass away prematurely. I wish I could tell you all of those things. But what you have to come to the realization is, is that your life with Jesus is better than anything else the world can offer you. And you have to determine, even though sometimes things don't bounce your way or actually go totally off the rails to what you think they would be like it's still worth following Jesus because he loves you because his grace has got a hold on you and he wants to lead you and he wants to move you forward but it's difficult sometimes there's probably times where we feel like Peter where we don't have a clue what's going on where following Jesus for a season has been this wonderful thing. And for many of us in our lives, I look back on the years that I followed Jesus. I don't remember a day where I never was in church, but I can look back and say there was so much good, but I can also see waves and moments. And sometimes I feel I'm in them where it's like, Jesus, I look at how other people make decisions and they go about their life and it seems so easy. And yet I'm trying to filter what I do through this lens of, how would Jesus want me to walk through this? What does it mean to follow Jesus in this situation? And it's difficult some days. And when we pick up in John chapter 21, the story of Peter, we find a man who made a determination that said, even when Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm still following you. Peter comes to a place where he's not so sure anymore. You see, he makes this decision and they move on from there and there's more miracles and there's more stories. And then there's the Last Supper and all these beautiful words of Jesus to his disciples. And they're in the Garden of Gethsemane 
And Peter even cuts a guy's ear off, trying to be determined to fight for Jesus, lay down his life for him. And yet, a few pages later, a 12-year-old girl, much like my daughter, starts asking questions like, I know you. You know Jesus, don't you? And they just keep talking and talking and talking. And she's like, you were with him, weren't you? I've seen you with Jesus. Tell me a story about Jesus. He's like, no, no, I, I, I don't know Jesus. And three times he denies Jesus for fear of what a little girl might say to people around him. Watches Jesus die on the cross, be buried. He's now at a point where he's heard that Jesus has rose from the dead and some of the disciples have seen him, but Peter has not yet seen Jesus. And we pick up the story in John chapter 21. This is, so Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what my life was like. We'll come to you, they all said. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And I love this. When this writer says the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter it's the Lord like this is John who wrote the book John writes this about himself like guys I know Jesus loves me like you want to talk about the person that's not insecure in their faith they know their identity this is John he's like oh God just loves me so much and like I'm so grateful that God loves me and the Christians that are like but I struggle with my works and my identity with Christ you just kind of want to slap him a little bit because he's so sure of himself that Jesus loves me and nothing's going to change that and Peter's probably like seriously man you didn't deny him like I did Get over it. And John's probably like, Peter, he still loves you. It's okay. And you're like, John, just stop. But John says to Peter, he's like, hey, it's the Lord. Like, Peter, I'm pretty sure this is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work and jumped into the water. That's kind of backwards. Put on your coat, jump in the lake. You know, got to look good for when you pull up to the beach for breakfast with Jesus. And he jumped into the water and he headed towards the shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. So when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you have caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore, and there were 153 large fish in the net that hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast. And Jesus said, Jesus said none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. And I believe there are points and times in our lives where we come to our walk with Jesus and we're determined to follow him. We begin to question whether or not God is directionally challenged. Because I would tell you this today, that if we are going to determine in our hearts to follow Jesus, we're going to have to understand two things. I know this is one thing, but I have to talk about two things. And because of my OCD, my point one has two in them, so I have three points in my sermon. That's just how crazy I am. Pastor Brett and I were collaborating, working on this stuff together, and you got two preachers with different styles. Like, it was pretty hilarious, but... I told him I'd throw a little extra grace in my messages so I'm more compassionate and he can preach the heavier messages. So anyways, but what we have to understand and what we get to see in this passage that following Jesus 
is a forward motion. No matter where you're at in your life, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, following Jesus one step at a time is always a forward motion and a forward process, but you will question at times whether or not Jesus is directionally challenged because in my mind and in your mind, some of the things that he leads us into and through will not feel like forward motion. But I want you to know this morning that when you follow Jesus, he is interested in bringing you forward and closer to the goal and the plan and the purpose and the things that he has called you to do in your life. But sometimes that means bringing you through situations that you feel like are backwards, upside down, the wrong direction, and yet Jesus is still moving you forward. And I would venture to say this, that God is never changing. We talk about this a lot and we're like, well, the, he's the everlasting God. He's never changing. He's got no shadow, no turning in him. And it's true. He is consistently consistent. He is who he is, but he doesn't stop moving. Just because God is never changing doesn't mean he stops moving and we can stay where we've been at forever. He wants to move us forward. And, you know, Peter is probably wondering, Jesus, this doesn't feel like forward. I had a friend and a youth leader, uh, for lack of better terms, let's just call him Brett today. Not Pastor Brett, but, you know, let's just use his name. And we were having a meeting at my house one night, and again, these youth leaders would stay at my house till like one in the morning. And we had an event at the church the next day, and Brett shows up the next day, and he's like big tired. I'm like, dude, you left around midnight. Like, you guys sleep four or five hours most nights anyways, if that. I'm like, why are you so tired? And he's like, well, I left your house last night, and I started driving, and I live in St. Albert, and I used to live in Clairview, so like northeast Edmonton. And he says, I, I hop on the Henday, and I'm trying to head home to my house in St. Albert. And after about like 20 minutes, I'm like, this is taking a really long time to get to St. Albert. And I'm like, dude, where are you going with this? He's like, well, I, I just kept thinking, I should be home by now. I should be home by now. And I'm like, Brett. And Brett's not the sharpest crayon in the box, but he's one of my favorite people. And he says, so then I saw lights, and I'm like, oh, I'm almost there. And, and he's like, but then I got close to the lights, and I saw the sign that says, welcome to Fort Saskatchewan. At like quarter to two in the morning. I'm like, no, you didn't. He's like, I must have missed the exit. I'm like, and you didn't realize till you were in Fort Saskatchewan? He's like, yeah, then I had to like turn around and find my way all the way back. But I only know to get how to get home from the Henday. So I had to come all the way back to like your house and start over. And I'm like, he's like, but I still got home. And I'm like, okay. But sometimes doesn't our walk with Jesus, feel this way. You're like, God, I thought I was going here. I thought you gave me this vision for my life, this plan for my life, and I've ended up way over here, and you're still telling me that voice inside, we're going to get there, but it's like, Jesus, I don't know how this feels like forward. It just seems a little bit messed up. And when we understand that following Jesus is a forward motion, we must never forget that following Jesus is not a romanticized version of what we want it to be or what the past looked like. I've seen a lot of believers get stuck in their walk with Jesus when it gets difficult because they say, I remember the days when following Jesus was like this. And that's amazing because those days stir faith in your heart and they help you believe that God can do it again. But I can tell you this, he probably won't do it exactly the same way again. 
And so we have to come to this place where we settle in our hearts that no matter what, this one thing I'm determined to do, I'm following Jesus, but I cannot let it be a romanticized version of what was. Peter gets in the boat as a fisherman again, and he's like, man, I wish it was like when Jesus came and we went into the room and this little girl who was dead, we just prayed and she was raised from the dead. I'm wishing for the days where we fed 5,000, 8,000 people. I'm wishing for the days where we we were the 12 disciples with Jesus and we were, you know, making the Pharisees and religious people mad because of all the things Jesus did. But guess what? I feel like I failed him and now I'm on a boat again and I'm not even a good disciple anymore. I'm not a good fisherman anymore. When you try to go back to your old way of life before Jesus, I'll tell you one thing. I've watched young adults do this all the time and after you've had a taste of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, you're not a good sinner anymore and you're not a good believer anymore and you're stuck in this thing and they come to be like, why can't I get anything together? Because you need to follow Jesus. And your emotions are gonna have to follow you as you follow Jesus, not let your emotions drive your life. But Peter, even after three and a half years with Jesus, is in this situation in the boat and he doesn't know what's going on. And I'm sure he has a romanticized version of the past and a romanticized version in his mind of what following Jesus should look like. Because if we're really honest, for many of us, Jesus, I'll follow you. I want your wonderful plan for my life. But can we fit it into my five-year plan and have it look like this and look like that and look like this? And then there become days where that plan kind of goes off the rails and you end up in a place where I never thought I'd be here, you say. But we have a choice. Am I still following Jesus? Because he's still interested in moving me forward. Peter must have wondered... What happened, God? I wonder if Paul, when he wrote this one thing I do, I forget the past and I press on. Paul's past in a worldly perspective was a pretty impressive resume. But when he decided to follow Jesus, do we realize that Paul went into 14 years of obscurity? And when you're sitting in obscurity for 14 years and you hear that God's going to call you to write and write part, most of the New Testament and lead people and plant churches and do all of these things, when you're sitting alone in obscurity because you killed Christians and the Christians don't know if they should trust you and you can't go back to your old way of life, I wonder if Paul thought some days, Jesus, are you really moving me forward? And we will have moments like that. And Paul says this one thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to romanticize my past. I would be lying to you, church, if I hadn't had days where I thought, man, man maybe in my life and following Jesus, if I would have just held tight in this place or that place, God, would that have been better? Because I feel like I've done a few circles here. And you have to come back to the place where like, no. Jesus, by your grace and the Holy Spirit, you've been leading, and I'm following you. And I can't have a romanticized version of there, and I can't get stuck on a romanticized version of what I think the next step should look like. Because I've made a decision in my life to follow Jesus, not to follow my own plan in life. And this is where we come to. But following Jesus being a forward motion, we, we cannot get stuck in this romanticized version of the past. But we also have to remember that the past doesn't have to define us. And we can move forward and follow Jesus. I believe when Paul said forgetting the past, he was trying to use language that talked to two groups of people. The group of people that say, well, my past was pretty good. 
I was a good person. I did a lot of good things and this and that. And Paul was saying, no, you're always going to have to move forward with Jesus. But there are some of us here that say, I don't know if I can keep following Jesus because what happened in my past disqualifies me, eliminates me. It holds me back. God will never want to use me again. How many feel like Peter on the boat is saying, well, because I denied Jesus, I failed as a disciple. How could I follow him again? How could I do what he's called me to do? But following Jesus is a forward motion, and he wants to move you forward. Jesus appears to Peter on the beach because he wants to move him forward. Not a word about what happened on the night he was betrayed. Not a word about Peter's failures, but a call to Peter again to say, follow me. And we get to this place where very often... Like the children of Israel, they were a people in the Old Testament. And what the Bible says about them is that they hardened their hearts. And no matter where you're at today, no matter where I'm at today, I believe that Jesus wants us to move forward. And he wants us to determine in our hearts that we're going to do one thing. We're going to follow Jesus. Everybody say one thing. I'm following Jesus. But Hebrews 3.15 says this. He says, remember what it says that today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When we romanticize the past, when we get angry at God because our future doesn't look how we wanted it to look, or we get stuck in a hurt, it's not Jesus that stops moving us forward, but it's when we harden our hearts we refuse to listen to his voice calling us forward. And we have to be very careful that when we determine, I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to follow Jesus. The key to us is don't harden my heart. Because when Jesus speaks, I want to keep following him. If the enemy can't steal your salvation. If you can't steal your relationship with God, he will try to do one thing. He will try to harden your heart so you don't make forward progress in what he's calling you to do. Because it affects your life and it affects those around you. Following Jesus is a forward motion. But secondly, this morning, I want to close with this. When we talk about one thing, determining that we're going to get a grip on our future by doing one thing, following Jesus, we must understand that following Jesus is not only personal, but it's always continual. It's a personal and it's a continual thing. John chapter 21, we're going to finish the passage. It says this, after breakfast, Jesus said, ask Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And then a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. dressed yourselves and went wherever you wanted to go but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go 
And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. So then Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved. I love how John writes this. Peter looked at me, knew Jesus loves me. And he says, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Peter, as for you, follow me. And this story is heartbreaking. Because Peter, in the midst of his failure and wondering, and God, are you really moving me forward? This doesn't make any sense. Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you still love me? He's like, Lord, you know I love you. You know I still want to follow you. He says, then feed my sheep. He actually asks the question, do you love me more than these? And we can try and determine what these were. Were these the fish? Do you love me more than the fish, than your income? Do you love me more than these other disciples, other people that have decided to follow me? Do you love me more than your uh, insecurity and your instability and your own emotions? Like, we don't really know what he is talking about, and it could speak to any one of those areas of our lives. But he says to him, if you love me, just feed my sheep. And he asks him again, and he says, Peter, Peter, son of John, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you and feed my lambs. And he asks the question the third time, and he just says, Peter, do you love me? He says, Peter was hurt by the question. God, like, you know I love you. I'd ask you this morning, have you ever been hurt at times where you know you've questioned God, and you know you've struggled to move forward, and you know that you're not entirely happy with how things are going, and Jesus still comes to you and says, hey, do you still you still love me? Do you still mean what, what you said you would, that you would follow me no matter what was, no matter what's happening right now, no matter where I call you to tomorrow? Do you still love me? And, and it almost hurts sometimes because we know in our own hearts, it's like, God, I do still love you, but this is way harder than I thought it would ever be. And he says, Peter, then just feed my sheep. And for us today in 2018, what does feeding sheep mean? Well, really it means this. It means if you still love Jesus, and no matter where you're at, no matter what happened in your past, no matter how you thought it looked better than today or how hard it was, no matter how lost you feel in the moment, Jesus is moving you forward and he's coming this morning to ask again, do you love me? And when we say, yes, Jesus, I still love you, what he's really saying to us this morning is then, then just keep doing what I called you to do. We're not all called to feed sheep. But for Peter, it was this, this thing that he knew. He's like, that you're Peter, then shepherd people like I called you to shepherd people. For some of us today, it's then lead your family like I've called you to lead your family. Run your business the way I've called you to run your business. Go become an educator the way I've called you to become an educator. Look, if you love me, and yes, some things aren't how you understand. Yes, things aren't perfect right now. But if you love me, do what I've called you to do. And I wonder this morning, when we say I'm determined to do one thing, it's following Jesus. Will we choose to continually follow Jesus more than we desire to chase after other things? Because following Jesus is a forward motion. It's a personal decision, but it's continual and it's ongoing. Because every day when we're faced with choices, when we're faced with desires, when we're faced with hardships and trials, we have to choose, am I gonna follow Jesus more than I desire to chase all these other things? Am I gonna do what he's called me to do? 
But then Peter, even after all of that, says this in verse 20. It says, so then Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and said, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive till I return, what is that to you? But as for you, follow me. There will always be a temptation and a tendency in our human hearts when we are called to follow Jesus, to look around at other believers, at other people that have been following Jesus and are following Jesus. And when we have to face something hard, it's easy for us to turn around and look and be like, well, what about him, Lord? I don't see you calling him to walk through what I'm walking through right now. What about him, Lord? And Jesus says, no, 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 don't worry about him. You follow me. Because what Jesus will take him through might be different than what he takes you through. But the determination remains the same. Will we follow Jesus? Will we follow Jesus? Philippians 3, verse 12 and 13 says this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Guys, I'm figuring this out still too. Or that I've already reached perfection. Even Paul said that. But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. And church, as we stand this morning, I want us to understand this. Let's stand. Maybe we faced some moments in our life where we say, I want to lay hold of the future that Jesus has for me. But it hasn't seemed like forward motion. It's been difficult. I've been facing things. I don't know how to keep doing what I've been called to do. But we say again today, I'm determined to follow Jesus. I would encourage you with this. Maybe we haven't made it yet. Maybe, maybe we aren't perfect But Jesus is really calling us to get a grip on one thing this morning. No matter what was, no matter what is, and no matter what tomorrow is going to bring, he's asking us as a church, as individuals, to make that determination in our heart that Jesus, I'm following you. This community needs people who determine in their hearts that I'm following Jesus. Because we're not perfect. We haven't made it yet. But we're going to press on. We're going to forget the past. We're going to move forward in what Jesus is going to call us into. And that's going to mean he's going to call us into seeing people get saved, people set free, people get healed. And just because we feel like I've screwed up and I can't be a part of that anymore. No, no, no. That's a lie. I'm following Jesus. No matter what was, no matter what is, no matter what tomorrow brings, I'm determined to follow Jesus. Week after week after week, it's amazing what God is doing in this incredible series called Get a Grit. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in, listening, for downloading. Uh, If you need anything at all, don't hesitate to send us an email at hello at engagechurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. Otherwise, follow us on social media at engage.church. Have a great one, everybody.